This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join with us over in Stevens Point and is Appleton up and running? That's what I heard. They're, they're sort of meeting. I don't know if they're officially meeting, whatever. Anyway, hi to you guys. Moving forward with that, I don't think we've had the official grand opening yet, but it's exciting to see what God is doing here at Celebration Church. And of course, all of you still at home and uh, those online watching us all over the world, good morning, good to have you with us. Uh, let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. Uh, before we go any further, just want to pause for a moment to take our offering. We're not passing around buckets yet but uh, still encouraging people to give online. People have been very faithful uh, at the church. If you uh, are watching off of our website, you'll see there's a button that you can click to be able to give. Uh, many of you have become recurrent givers, and we appreciate that. That's the best way to do it. You can sign up for that. Or you can give now via your phone. So if you just take your phone out and send a message to this number, 77977. That's the number you're sending the message to. And then in the message box. This is the message you're going to send. CCWI. And then that's Celebration Church, Wisconsin. CCWI. And then put the dollar amount you want to give. And you hit send. And then all that takes place. And uh, it's a great way of being able to uh, still give, even if you didn't bring any cash with you or your checkbook or whatever. If there's one thing most people have with them at all times, it's their phone. You can't live without these creepy little buzzing things. Seriously, if you leave on vacation and you're an hour and a half into the trip and you realize you forgot your phone, you will turn back and go get the stupid thing. It is just, I'm, we're so obsessed by these things. So anyway, seeing how you always have that, that's a way that you can always give. And I want to thank you for your continued faithfulness. Be a giver. Jesus says to give and then God would give to you. Uh, you need to be generous and God will be generous back to you in the proportion that you are willing to give is the proportion God blesses you back. You want a big blessings, you need to be a very generous person. As generous as you can. No one's saying, put yourself in financial risk here. But, you know, just don't throw in a, 
you know, a dollar, like you're tipping your waitress or something. Well, that's a lousy tip. Don't even do that to a waitress, for heaven's sakes. Anyway, uh, let's pick up the scriptures this morning. Uh, last time I spoke, uh, not last week, but the week before, uh, we were talking about uh, the children of Israel and how they were coming out of the uh, place of slavery in Egypt and how all these different plagues came over them, uh, not over them, but over the Egyptians to let them go. The final one was the, the angel of death that came and struck down people. And God said, listen, this angel is coming and you need to uh, take a lamb and put blood, the blood of the lamb over the post of your door. Uh, it's a great analogy of how the blood of Jesus protects us to this day because Jesus becomes the lamb of God, John the Baptist said, who takes away the sins of the world. And then he told them to celebrate the Passover. And Jews have been celebrating the Passover for 4,000 years nonstop. It is quite amazing. What's really stunning about the first Passover is they are celebrating something that hasn't happened yet. And it's also a great analogy of faith. It's what some uh, Bible theologians call celebrating the already not yet. <laughs> and that's what faith is. It's, celebra it's celebrating your answer before you get it. And boy, if there's one thing I hope I leave with you before I go to my reward in heaven is this idea. Learn to celebrate your answer before you get it. It's called faith. That's what moves the hand of God in your life. Not just freaking out and crying. I uh, say, well, the Bible says I cried unto the Lord. Yeah, it talks about shouting to the Lord, you know, calling out to the And there might be some tears, I don't know, but that's different than freaking out to the Lord and crying. Listen, if crying and whining moved the hand of God, we'd be surrounded by miracles everywhere, right? Everybody's whining and crying about something and said, did you pray about it? Yes, I did. No, you didn't. You whined about it. You cried, you panicked. Oh God, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Amen. That's not faith. That's called freaking out. It's called panic. Now, if you need to freak out, then freak out. If you need someone to freak out with you, give us a call. We'll come over and we'll all freak out together. I'm just saying, it's not the way to get your answer. You have to learn to put your trust in God to the point that you celebrate it because you know it's on the way even though you haven't had it yet. The analogy I've been using lately is like an order from Amazon. The minute you hit buy, you feel good, Right? Do you have it yet? Nope, but it's on its way. Praise the Lord. All right? And, uh, and we do a lot of Amazon stuff because we're lazy and we don't want to go shopping. So we do that. It's very convenient. That kind of sense, that kind of feeling that the answer's on its way. I learned this early as a Christian. Some of the most dramatic moments of my life has been living this out. Uh, and I share different stories from time to time. You know, there's only so many stories because I only got one life. But... Uh, one of my more dramatic stories I remember some years ago, we lived in Marshfield, Wisconsin, and uh, we were, uh, I had a production studio that we recorded music for commercials, radio and TV commercials. You guys ever hear that song? Coke is it? You ever hear that song? I didn't write that. But anyway, that's, <laughs> I wish I did, I have a lot of money. <laughs> but those kinds of things, little jingles and stuff like that, and I had my own recording studio and stuff. Well, we got a call from a church in Indiana because uh, at the time I used to go out and sing and play and whatever. So uh, um, I don't get calls for that anymore. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear me sing. But uh, so I got a call. I said, would you come down? We're, we're doing this thing at some county fair and stuff like that. So uh, I got all my synthesizers together and a friend, 
of mine who, who played the drums and stuff, and we loaded everything up in this trailer, went down to Indiana, and we did this gig, do, 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 jamming out and singing and praising. It was, it was a lot of fun. And then the next day, we loaded the trailer back up and headed home. And we're coming through Indiana, you know, northern part of Indiana, and we're going to Chicago, and, you know, everybody's driving like they're demon-possessed in Chicago, you know. The speed limit might be 55, but if you don't drive at least 80, they're going to run you over, you know what I'm saying? I don't know who's enforcing, apparently no one enforces these laws, I don't know, so we're just like everybody else, and we're just going like crazy. And uh, the trailer, we're driving a pickup truck, and the back of the pickup truck is filled, so you couldn't see the rear view mirror, just the side mirrors. And the trailers were these skinny trailers, so you couldn't quite see it. You had to lean every once in a while, and then you get a little glimpse of the trailer back there. So we're, we're cruising through. We finally get through Chicago, and we're just, just flying down the highway. And, and my friend goes, can you see the trailer? And I go, I said, so what? Can you see the trailer? I said, what are you talking about? I mean, of course I can see the trailer. I don't see the trailer. And so, so we quick pulled over the side of the road, and we both walked around. And we got to the back, there's no trailer. It's gone. No chains, there's no ball anymore. Everything's gone. And of course, my immediate thought was fear because I thought, surely I have just caused a huge car wreck. Right? I mean, I'm driving like a crazy man, not looking behind me. I picture people in flames going, ah, dying a horrible, painful death because this trailer just came off and crashed, and they all crashed into each other. So we are, right where we pulled off, it was a state patrol. And we quick went into the patrol, and, and the guys could tell, I was panicked. He says, well, what can I do for you? He says, man, we were just driving, and, you know, driving like a crazy person fast, and our trailer's gone, and we're afraid that maybe we cause a big accident and stuff like that, and now I'm picturing myself in jail, you know, and my children coming to visit me once a month and that kind of thing, you know, and uh, so uh, just freaking out. And he finally comes back, he says, well, we checked everywhere and there's no report of any accidents. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, got any reports of a trailer? Because thankfully we didn't kill anybody, but where's the trailer? And he checked, he says, no, there's no reports of trailer. Well, where'd he go? So we start backtracking all the way back into Indiana, the whole way, looking everywhere for at least signs of (laughs) something going horribly wrong. There's nothing. Not on the side, nothing. We get all the way back to where we started, and we just looked at each other. Where is it? Now my heart fills with fear. My entire life, in terms of creating income, was in that trailer. All that equipment is rather expensive, and... It's gone. I can't fill any more contracts. I can't produce any more music. And just like all of us, when something bad happens, the first response is fear, right? But then just crying in fear isn't the way to pray. A lesson I had learned long ago. I've had time to tell you all the different stories, but I learned this early on. And I knew I had to quiet. We're, we're driving back and we're just thinking, what in the world happened to this trailer. And we stopped, we just got into Illinois and we had to stop and get some gas and uh, he's in there buying some stuff and I'm sitting there and I just started reflecting on all the times God had answered my prayers. And it's a wonderful thing because that's why I want to encourage you, trust God, don't wait till, I tell you, I feel so bad for people. The first time they ever have to trust God is they're later in life and something really horrible happens. They don't know how to handle it. 
They just, they've never had to trust God, ever. They were smart people. They never did anything stupid. And I've done things stupid from day one. So I've, 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 I've had to trust God constantly. I mean, they're pretty smart people. They've always had good jobs and good insurance. They've just never been in a situation where they needed a miracle. I feel the word. And even if you're in that situation, don't live there. Look for opportunities to trust God. There's always ways of trusting God, even in the smallest of things. And you got to start small so that you can grow big. Nobody lifts weights picking up a thousand pounds right away. You got to start small and you got to build your muscles and you got to build the same analogy in your faith and trust God. And I started reflecting on all. And I remember that one time God did that. And I remember that one time we got this answer. And I'm telling you, I just started being filled with confidence and joy, much like when you hit send on the Amazon order. And I remember looking up to God and I just said, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you take care of me. And I know it's all going to be all right. And I'm, I wasn't trying to convince myself. So there's that thing, you know. <laughs> You're trying to tell yourself it's going to be okay, but everything, and you go, nah, it's not. But, but this, I'm telling you, it just swept over my heart because of what I'd experienced in the past. And I knew God would take care of us. And man, I got in that truck and we just started driving home. And I felt as peaceful and as calm and as joyful as if we had found the trailer. I'm not exaggerating. We pulled into the house. My wife comes running outside because she had heard, right? We called her and told her what happened. She, we, and we didn't have cell phones back then, back in the 1800s. And uh, we, 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 I come pulling in the drive. She comes running outside. Somebody just called. They found your trailer. Wow. How cool is that? Really? And now here's a lot of times. We're in a miserable place, and then something good happens, and then you feel good? You all know what I'm talking about, right? That's not faith. Faith is when things are miserable, and you already feel good. And then something happens, you go, oh. Oh, that's cool. Seriously, that's how I felt. Because I wasn't now happy. I was happy pulling in with no trailer. Because I knew God was going to do something. I said, someone just called. He said, Yeah. What did he say? He said, we found your trailer and we're going to hold it until you give us $2,000. <laughs> so now they're hijacking my trailer. It's really a funny story. I don't have time to tell you the whole thing. But uh, we eventually got everything back. This was Southside Chicago, these thugs. They said they were following us and we're driving like, you know, fast. And we're bringing in. All of a sudden the trailer pops off the, just the ball, everything comes off. And it just starts screaming down the road pulls along the road, stays on the side of the road, and it came to a stop. I could imagine angels riding that thing. Yee-haw! I mean, that thing should have tipped over. 80 miles an hour, a trailer comes up, it doesn't just stay, and it just stayed straight. And we pulled up and we looked. We looked and saw what was in it, and we said, let's take it. So <laughs> we got it all back. It's just a miracle. But how do you get these miracles? Because you learn to celebrate your answer before you get it. That's what Passover was. They're celebrating something that hadn't even happened yet. And God is trying to teach them, trust me. So anyway, they come finally after that last play. Pharaoh goes, all right, go. I can't take this anymore. So they all take off. Uh, they get to the Red Sea. Already Pharaoh changes his mind. and says, what was I thinking? Go get them. And they come running. And that's when the Red Sea opens. And they cross. And the Egyptians try to cross and the water crashes and whatever. So they get on the other side. We're going to pick up the story now in Exodus, the 16th chapter, verse 2. Now the whole congregation of Israel, this is after they come through all these, they have seen miracles that you and I would pay big money to see. They have seen, and by the way, there wasn't really much faith involved. They said everywhere they go during the day is this gigantic cloud, and they're following the cloud. 
I mean, God is right there. And at night, it turned into a pillar of fire. It was like streetlights. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it was always there. God was always there. And they had all these miracles. So the whole congregation of Israelites then, on the other side, they're walking along, and they start complaining against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. They start whining and complaining. The Israelites said to them, if only we had da- died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. I wish we were dead. If only we died back there when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So what happens? They get hangry. And they're really hangry. Now, I've read these passages many, many times and always criticized the Israelites for complaining. You say, why are you complaining? But you have to understand, complaining almost always is legit. Should you do it? You should not. But it's almost always legit. If your kids are driving you crazy, you want to complain. Is it legit? Oh, yeah, they're demon-possessed. You know. Why don't you clean up your mess? Because they're little peas, right? And, and you can complain. All life. There's all kinds of things in life. And sometimes it's so real and so legitimate, we feel justified in complaining. But that's the thing. That's the trap. Every complaint is legitimate or you wouldn't be complaining. Something's going wrong. And these guys now are hungry. Now, I won't ask the guys here because they probably don't think in these terms, but you ladies, if we were all going to get together later this afternoon, let's say we're going to go boating, although that ship has sailed. <laughs> I think the sun has come out in the last month around here. So, um, uh, but if we were going to go, the first thing you girls would be thinking is, should I bring some sandwiches? And, and, and oh, why don't you guys stop by and get some chips and stuff? And, and you want to get something to drink? That's exactly. All women, they're already thinking, I don't want to deal with hangry. Let's get ready. All right. Immediately, if you're going into war, what is the first logistic you work out? Food. People got to have food. And God is leading them into the wilderness, and they're stuck out there. And nobody thought about bringing a sandwich. What, what's going on here? There's nothing to eat. Now, God has to know. You got to feed these people. And God isn't saying a word. And they start complaining. And I'm telling you, the complaint was legit. Same thing happened when they complained about having no water. They're in the middle of the day, there's no water. And they start complaining. Now, when they would complain, God would really get mad. So, wait a minute, you're not making any sense. You're saying it was legit. It was legit. The response to it is not legit when you start complaining and getting nasty and mean, especially if you're doing it to God, not a smart thing to do. What does he teach them? Teach them to trust me. Learn to pray. Learn to pray. Just don't freak out and complain and whine all the time. Or if it's in life, you're dealing with other people and stuff like that, look for solutions. Just don't complain. Be (laughs) constructive. Figure things out. Again, we just want to whine and complain and criticize because we feel perfectly justified because it's really true. This stuff's making me crazy. And, but it's not a good place to be. I'm just, and here's the, the really weird thing about it. <clears throat> it's all these miracles and stuff like that. And, and now we're going to die because nobody brought any food? How does this happen? You know, it, this is one of the things that Christians have always had to guard themselves from. And that is the idea that once God does something really glorious and miraculous in your life, that from now on, everything's good. And it's not. It's not. I don't care what miracle you come from, how God pulled your trailer out of the middle of nowhere, whatever your deal is, 
something bad's gonna happen. Say, why is that? I don't know. (laughs) It's just life. Maybe it's the sinful world that we're in. Maybe it's because God's not done with us. But we go through things, and we often refer to these things from a biblical standpoint as a test, right? A test or trial or whatever term you want to use. And we go through these test moments. Now, when God tests, because we're Americans and the 21st century and the way we do we often view tests in terms of pass or fail, right? Because you go, you go to school, you take a test, you got a driver's test, did you pass, did you fail? Everything in us, when we talk about tests, is passing and failing. And most people, when they go through a test, usually get very discouraged on the other side because most people I know, if they're being totally honest, would say, I failed. I failed. And some tests in my life, if I look at it in terms of passing and failing, I failed. I remember when my Debbie died. Worst experience of my life. I said, Pastor, that was a hard test. Yeah, how'd you do? I failed. I did. I didn't handle it well. I mean, I didn't tell you everything I was going through, but, you know, I struggled and made missteps and something. And I look at it, I just, when I think in those terms of passing, I failed. I was talking to Deanna about this this week. I said, when you find out your husband had cheated on you and decided to dump you and take another woman, I mean, that's horrifying, a horrifying test that you go through. I said, do you think you've passed or failed? She right away said, I failed. I feel most people will say I feel. But we have to understand when the Bible talks about test, it's not in terms of passing or failing. It's in the context of shaping. God is shaping you. He's not grading you. Are you hearing me? Because if you ask me, Mark, did that experience shape you? I would go, yeah, it did. I asked Deanna are you a better person today because of what you went through? And she goes, yeah, I am. My faith is stronger. I'm a stronger person, a better person. Because now you start looking at these trials in terms of God shaping. And I'm telling you, if you look at it that way, you're going to feel a whole lot better about your life. Because, you know, it is shaping. It's not testing to see if you handle everything perfectly. I just don't, that's not what God's interested in. He wants to shape you and, and, and make I feel I'm a better man today than I was three years ago. I truly believe that after going through that miserable experience. I think it's taken the edge off me quite a bit. I'm much more compassionate to people who are struggling and failing. I'm not nearly as mean of a preacher as I was before. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around, by the way. Uh, uh, I'm, more, I'm more patient Unless you work for me, I'm still not patient. I just, that's, that's like my cross to bear. All you people who work for me, don't make me crazy. When I ask you to do something, I want to hear two words. Yes, sir. That's all I want to hear. I don't care how you feel about things. How many of you have employees you deal with? People? You know what I'm talking about. It can drive you nuts. I don't really want to hear what you think about things. Now, do I ask people what they think? Oftentimes I do. We meet every week with my pastors in the whole meetings. What do you guys think about this? What do you guys think? When I finally come up with a decision, just, yes, sir, that's all I want to hear. And it makes me crazy. I couldn't take it anymore. Finally, I talked to my son. He said, listen, Dad, why don't you just let me deal with the people? And I went, okay. Okay, now I, I just feel like a ton of weight got lifted off me. Because it, it was driving me crazy. I get really frustrated with it. I don't know why. Obviously, I still got to go through another trial to fix that part of me. 
because I just, ah, oh, just no patience for it. And uh, so he's, he deals with everybody. Because I was getting frustrated. I thought, man, maybe I need to retire. You know, I need to handle I've never talked about that. Ever since I'm talking to him, he says, look, just let me handle it. And I went, okay. So now I feel much better. Now I'm thinking, I probably do need to plan for retirement when I hit like 99, somewhere in there, and, uh, and come up with some kind of solution there. But otherwise, I'm going to be here for a long time irritating all of you. And uh, by God's grace... But in general, I'm a much nicer man. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing when you think about God. And, and if you don't remember anything from today's sermon, remember this. When you are going through a hard time, God is not grading you. He is shaping you. The Bible uses the analogy of like iron in the fire. You take iron in the fire and, and, and you shape it into something. And when you're doing that, the whole focus is what are you making? Not the transition part of it, you know. And the thing with the iron, we can't hear it. If, if iron could talk, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't enjoy the process, right? Ah, what are you doing? It's so hot. And now you're beating me. Why are you hitting me? I mean, oh, you know, and, and, and boy, I bet you the language would be colorful. <laughs> Seriously. You know, it gets real hot in the theater and you see blue flame? That, that might be them cussing the entire time. I mean, I, I don't know. But, but at the end, and, and you, if you were to ask the iron, did you pass that test? I say, no. I want to kill you. <laughs> I say, but, but are you different today? And they go, well, yeah, I am. It's, it's a wonderful thing. It was so freeing for me. I hope it's freeing for you. But God isn't grading you. He's shaping you. So anyway, they're going through this test. We're running out. Of, we have no food. What are you going to do now? And of course, they're whining and complaining. It wasn't good. It eventually got them in so much trouble. They wouldn't stop with the complaining to the point. The, the, the trip from Egypt to the promised land, different theologians debate and stuff, but at the max, it was a couple of weeks. They get stuck there for 40 years. For 40 years. Why? Because they wouldn't stop complaining. And God had it up to here with them. It was a bad thing. So anyway, they're going through this trust, and they cry out for food. And, and God tells them he, he will give them bread. Now, if you tell me you're giving me bread, I'm thinking warm, squishy, nice smelling, maybe a little sourdough. Multigrain, I like warm bread. How many like bread right out of the oven? I mean, it's, it's the bomb, right? And butter, oh, more butter than bread. You know what I'm saying? And this, this is my idea of bread. God is going to give us bread yet. Yes, yes, Moses, that's what I'm talking about. Going to get some bread. When's the bread? He says, when you wake up tomorrow, it'll be there. All right. I'll be waking up and see if I can smell anything. Cooking, smell of bread, so good. So then anyway, you guys wake up in verse 14. When the layer of dew lifted off the ground, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground, which was pretty thin. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, what, what's this? What, where, where's the bread? And Moses says, well, that's the bread the Lord has given you. I'd be a little shocked. You just, I mean, they're basically getting like a communion wafer, which isn't particularly tasty. 
Although the Bible does says it was kind of sweet. Can't they flavor our communion wafers? You know, what a, you know a little salt, a little cinnamon, something. So they basically went with communion wafers. This is their version of bread. And they weren't happy about that. What is the lesson here? Sometimes, even when God answers your prayer, the answer can be surprising. And if you're not careful, can be discouraging and cause you to continue to complain. He said he gave him bread, he gave him bread, but it wasn't the kind of bread they were expecting. Sometimes when you get your answer, your answer is, what's this? <laughs> you know, unrealized expectations can create some real problems. You know, I deal a lot with couples and marriages and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I often hear, you know, people say, you know, man, if I, if, if I just had a godly marriage, pastor, if I had a really godly marriage, uh, I should be experiencing some version of utopia, some glorious, wonderful thing because they listen to Focus on the Family and all these preachers on TV and read these books and if you do the right marriage, it's and they literally, so I'm telling you, I think sometimes we're not helping people. You know, if part of your t talking about life isn't, hey, sometimes life sucks, you're not doing this right. And all they hear is this thing, and you know, and I, I heard this thing on the radio not long ago, a new thing they're talking about, e emotional intimacy. No, no, spiritual, spiritual intimacy. Spiritual intimacy. Couples need to experience spiritual intimacy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What, 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 you know, because apparently physical and emotional interest to me is so easy, we need to jack it up to something else. So if you weren't depressed before, now you're going to be depressed. Because oh, we're just not experiencing, Pastor, spiritual intimacy. Man, I've been a Christian for a long time. <laughs> I don't even know what they're talking about. It's like, shut up. Why are you saying this stuff? Always jacking things up and creating so you even feel worse. If you had a godly marriage, you know what it looks like? It looks like taking out the garbage. <laughs> looks like cleaning the toilet. That's a godly, glorious marriage. Isn't that exciting? You know? And I don't know where they get this. You know what Paul said about marriage? He said, he who marries will have trouble in this life. <laughs> yeah, you don't hear focus on the family quoting that verse very often. You know, these days, they all run from this verse. Oh, oh, what does it mean? Life is hard. But doing life together is better than doing it alone. Amen. Right? Hallelujah. Now, some people really do have serious problems. And, and I get that. And, that's, and you need help. But I tell you, there has been a bunch of times. I have said, not so much from this congregation, but you know, all over the world. And people will, will tell me about their, their deep marriage problems. I say, okay. And, and they sit down and, and they describe my life. <laughs> and they describe my marriage to a T. And I go, and? Oh, that's it. That's it? You just described my marriage for heaven's sakes. What are you freaking out about? Why? Because they've got this utopian idea that, oh, it's all supposed to be glorious. And if you live that way, you're going to be frustrated. I'm telling you, a lot of, especially women have this problem. 
It doesn't last long. But the young ones, they really think when they get married, this is going to be glorious. <laughs> Until they walk in and see him pooping, you know, and it's like, oh, well, you know, just, oh, 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 you know, and they are convinced something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. <laughs> because they're expecting this thing. No, it's not this thing. And they're asking, what they, it's like the children of Israel. What's, what's this? <laughs> what is this? I thought I was going to have this glorious marriage. You do. It's called life. All right? It's paying bills. Doing life. Fixing things that break. You know, things, oh, everything breaks. Why does everything break? It'd be great if you just bought something and it didn't break. And then if it doesn't break, then I'm breaking it. <laughs> you know, I, I just put a big thing in the side of my car. You know, it's like, it sounded like, like those old can openers. You remember back in the day? And you'd open that, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I heard that sound, I went, uh-oh, this, this isn't good. And I looked back, and now I got a big can opener hole in the side of my car. Why? Because I'm an idiot. And I wasn't paying attention. And that's life. That's life. When I told my wife, Guess what I did? <laughs> you know, it's just, do you mad at each other? No. It is what it is. If it doesn't break, then you break it. Something. Life is full of challenges. The good news is it's okay. We're just passing through. Don't freak out. Unrealized things. Don't be like the children of Israel. When God finally gives you an answer, you go, what's this? Because it's kind of just, it's like when you give a kid something for, it doesn't have to be a kid, it can be an adult. Adults are worse. You give somebody something they think they want for Christmas, and they get it, and you can tell by the look on their face, they, it sucks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? We all, you know that feeling? And, and you want to strangle them? You know, and oh, 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 thanks. I thought that's what you wanted. Uh, no. You know, and, and you got to be careful. They pretend, oh, this is great, but you're lying, right? Because you can tell on their face that they're, they're not happy. Don't do that to God. So sometimes when we go through a hard, first of all, we can trust God before we get the answer. And, uh, and, and, and realize when you're going through a hard time, God's just shaping you. And sometimes when you get your answer, just celebrate your answer. So it looks different. Okay. I'm telling you, my life is different today. I never thought it would be like this. I just never did. This wasn't part of my five-year plan. I didn't really have a five-year plan. I couldn't plan five days, you know, but uh, if some of these people think everything's got to be exactly scripted out, and then if it's not, they all fall apart. Just relax. So anyway, in summary, as I shut up, number one, learn to celebrate your answer before you get it. Number two, view tests as God's shaping you, not as a pass or failing event. And then number three, be grateful for the answers you get. Who knows what it'll turn into? Oftentimes, it'll turn out way better than anything you could have ever possibly imagined. Amen. So we're going to go into our time of communion. Our uh, musicians can come up in Appleton and Stevens Point, whatever, and you guys can disconnect now and go to your own service. All right. But uh, we're going to take our time of communion. We always end our service with communion. We're always celebrating what Jesus did for us on the cross. His body was broken for us that we could be whole his blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. And I love this part of the service because I'm just like you. I make mistakes. You know, 
I don't share all my mistakes with you <laughs> because I'm not proud of all my mistakes. But I make mistakes just like you do. I love this part because it's always coming back to the cross and asking God to set things right. So the Bible says before you take communion, examine yourself. If you sin in any way, ask God to forgive you. You said something you shouldn't have said, done something, now is your chance to say, Father, forgive me. Help me get it right. And don't think in terms of, gee, I failed. Okay? Think in terms of, I'm learning. I'm learning and I'm being shaped. All right? Anyway, we'd like to pray a prayer of forgiveness for all of us. Let's bow our heads together as I pray this prayer for all of us. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in any way, in thought, word, deed, something that we've done, maybe something that we left undone. If we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, we pray, have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins, strengthening us in all goodness and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life that we can delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And while the heads are bowed, so like, maybe just in your own words, the Holy Spirit's pointing something out, some area that you, you didn't handle well or something, just confess it to God and say, Father, forgive me that. And, and maybe you're new to all this. You've never, ever asked Jesus Christ into your life. Now would be a great time. You can experience this wonderful thing we've been talking about. Just ask Jesus to come into your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And, and put your hope and your trust in him. And you can start your spiritual journey today. Amen.